should I be wearing headphones too? No, I just do this to monitor that. I mean, you can. There's some everywhere. I just noticed you were wearing headphones. listening to 103.4 WMRH on your radio dial. This is John Daniel Ray, your host on the Mr. Haircut Show this evening. I'm in the studio with my co-host, Jonathan Green, here in Sandy Winston-Salem, and we've got a very special guest with us today. Ryan Hugh, the principal guitarist with the Fruit Smoothie Trio, joins us to talk about improvisational smells and bioethics, all while laying down some strange sounds with his six-string guitar. As always, the music from this show will all be posted on our website, mrhaircut.org, where you can download it for free along with pictures, videos, bloopers, and poems from our Mr. Haircut experience. Now sit back in your favorite chair, turn your headphones to maximum volume production, and prepare to absorb the brand new... Hi, Ryan. Hi, guys. So, today on Mr. Haircut, our special, extra special, super, mega special, just special. really specially Very, special mm-hmm. guest. I, I, I just want to make it really clear how special, how incredibly special it is to have you here. Thank and you. His name's, and his name's Ryan. Thank you. I feel special. You're probably close to, like... The second person, the second nicest person I met when I started playing in Winston. Wow. Like, you kind of put on that air of, like, just being a friendly dude. Thank you, man. I don't think I've actually ever said that to, like, in person. Like, John is the nicest person I've ever met Mm -hmm. around here. You are a close second. What are you trying to say? He's, he's like, he's catching up, man. You better, like, put on the niceness a little bit more. <laughs> better start working on my nice Exactly. How do you well, do I that? Do you candy work for out? everyone just in case. I did bring coffee this you morning. You did bring coffee. You know, John, I you didn't bring coffee. I didn't bring anything. Sorry, guys. Scoring points. I think you... Well, anyway, Ryan Hugh is our guest today. and But before we go any further, we need to assign you a Mr. Haircut name. Because that's, that's what we do here. I'll let you choose. I'll let the, hair, the hairy one choose. I think the style of your haircut, I mean, what I would call it if I were assigning a name for that style, mm-hmm. is the Miyagi. The Miyagi? Yeah. Yeah. That's also racist. Miyagi was Japanese. I, I don't I'm see. Chinese, it's right, right. Yeah, yeah, and I'm big and black, yeah. you know, but, you know, and John was, will never let me forget. <laughs> it was racist of you to think that it was racist, Why but it, it really wasn't. I don't see yeah. race. I see hair color. Yeah. Well, what are you say? <laughs> well, I'm the guy with the big black hair. I'm a, I'm a grayist. <laughs> so, for those of uh, our audience that don't know you, how would how would you describe yourself? Like, what's your function sort of around town? What do you do? What do you play? What color is your hair? And what color is your hair? I have big black hair. I am. Uh, I'm in an interesting season of life. Because I have kids, young kids, so I am first and foremost a dad, and I spend a lot of time at home. But I'm in the musical scene downtown. I am uh, a guitarist. You know, I play guitar, and my band Fruit Smoothie Trio. Uh, we've been at we've been at it for a long time now. Like you got some albums out. You mm-hmm. got some done couple, some things. Couple albums. Couple. Uh, we're we've got a couple regular gigs. Who else is in your band? My my trusty sidekick Nate Tompkinson. Um, he says that you're his sidekick. 
Well, that's a very sidekick thing to say, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, Nate, if, if you don't know Nate, you can uh, go get go get wasted on 4th Street, and he'll he'll call the cops on you and bounce you because he's a bouncer at, uh, at Bulls. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, uh, and Will Bagley, the, the left-handed genius Will Bagley, uh, has been playing with us forever on the bass, and uh, we sort of have, we call drummers for every gig. Um, because you're a trio, you can't. Because we're the trio. Yeah, yeah, the drummer isn't a member of the band. They just happen to be there, supporting us rhythmically. You, you right. guys are the second group, and I keep using seconds for some reason. Um, but I really feel bad every time I have to tell you guys no, because I would love to play a gig with you guys. It's just that you you guys met me and started asking me. It's just as soon as I like joined Six Styles and get got busy. Well, we also call our. You know, we we call musicians like the day of right. for a gig. We don't call four days before. We <laughs> sure. call like four hours before. They like, <laughs> well, <laughs> but I like you guys. And I want you to keep calling me because I, again, I'd love to play with you. But we would love for you to play with us. It's it's a fun gig. We're we have a good time. Um. So yeah, Fruit Smoothie Trio. I've got a couple of other little side projects. I have Nylon Lion, which is my dueling classical guitar pop cover some original band that John actually played with, uh, sat in last night and filled in for, for Bagley. I'm fortunate to have that experience. It was, it was really an experience to remember. Unfortunately, I can't remember much of it. Uh, Why is that? (laughs) 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 So, okay, okay, so Nylon Lion. Nylon Lion. Is it? Lions made of nylons or lions in nylons? Mm-hmm. So when I've been thinking about the T-shirt that I want to make for the band, I've heavily considered both. And maybe we could have, like, a lion wearing nylons, you know, made out of nylon guitar strings, you know, lion on the ground, you know, just a lot of nylon and a bunch of lion. It's not lion, but I can't not say it that way after nylon. Right. And so, no, so you're playing lion. on lion and laying in lion, but you also have to have him lie. Right. Like the like, sky is green or this statement is false. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's... You just blew my mind. You know, <laughs> who's to say it isn't, you know? Right. That's the point. That's the real magic of it. Um, but yeah, I like to... You know, Winston's such a cool town because we have... Well, you know, I was just talking about how I'll call up musicians the day of. Sometimes I feel like having saxophone player in my band, and I have sax players' numbers, and they'll come and play. And I get picked up often, similarly. Like, you know, I feel like we have a lot of gun-for-hire gun musicians in this town. Yeah. And we're all close. We're all friends, right. which is really cool. Um, so, yeah, I do that. And then I'm also uh, getting into the recording thing. I've been uh, working up at Ovation Sound. Okay. Where uh, is that located? That is located... I should know the street number, right? 30-something-something Enterprise Drive. It's up on right off of North Point. It's near the Taco Bell. I've been there a couple of times. It's an impressive space. It sounds amazing. I've liked everything that I've heard out of there so far. The space is awesome. I love the live room. I love all the isolation booths. Um, and I like all the gear that's there. You know, we have a B3 and a Rhodes. And uh, it, it's awesome, you know, for tracking a band live. I think it's tough to beat. Anywhere. Cool. Yeah. So, anyway, that's me. Cool. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it was great talking to you today. And, uh, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, I'll and be back with coffee in like 30. So the podcast is uh, usually about improv. So do you find yourself jamming often, just off the cuff? All the time. Even in Fruit Smoothie Trio and our, um, you know, we're doing covers. And we do have arrangements, you know, we over the years sort of developed an arrangement for particular songs that are popular that we bring back. But um, even within that, I find that there's no set form really to to most of the songs. And then um, 
we also take covers all the time. And so, you know, Nate's got his, his little iPad up there and people will just shout tunes at us. And if anyone in the band has heard it before, we'll try it, you know, and, and that's all improv, you know, it's all, it's all ear. So, um, you know, I'll tell you what, that Tuesday night jam that you play and you yeah. play and uh, Nate plays too. I mean, that sort of stuff is great. This is the Tuesday night jam at Bulls Tavern um, in from, Sweden from nine from nine to one, one. o'clock, yeah. nine to one every Tuesday. Just go to Sweden to the Taco Bell and take a left, and that's where it is. That's right, just past the Swedes. Right. Um, I hear they eliminated Taco Bell, and their life expectancy shot up. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell if that's a joke, but I wouldn't. I heard that. that way. <laughs> I heard that they serve tacos in their saunas now. Yeah. Yeah. On their year-long maternity leaves. That's right. Yeah, it's covered. Yeah, their tacos are covered by their health care. Obama. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that Tuesday night jam, is. it feels kind of like that, you know, where you've got all these people just sort of agreeing on, you know, a, a song and, and just sort of going at it, you know. And, you know, I never play the same chord and version twice if I can help it. You know, it's just yeah. always... It keeps it fun for for me, you know. Especially, you know, let's say you have a set of ten songs and you've played it for five years straight. You know, the way that it stays fresh for the musician for on stage is to, you know, change the way you're doing that chord or change change something on your end. Do you ever get any criticism um, from other musicians about playing the songs wrong or not how they go? No, I almost always get compliments on our arrangements on songs which is funny because for a long time we thought we were playing the song straight up like we would hear a Beyonce song be like let's play that tonight let's play Halo or let's play you know whatever and and we would we thought we were learning it just like the recording but the thing is you know we're still a four-piece rock band so we don't sound like the recording at all so people come up sweet arrangement you know cool way way to really make it your own like I thought we were doing it just like Beyonce so you don't have all of these uh, backing tracks and synthesizers means that you have to do whatever you, you you have to improvise by necessity that's right and uh so yeah, I found that that we're um, you know when you take four people and put them on a stage together, it doesn't matter what style of music or what song you're playing. It's gonna sort you're gonna put your own signature sound on it. You know, even if you're not trying to. So how did you um, develop your sound? If you had to compare yourself, and I know every musician hates to do this, but like as far as your influences and who you listen to, what is it that you try to channel? Well, I grew up playing the blues. You know, when I learned to play guitar as a kid, um, you know, I I learned the 12-bar blues first day. And I spent a year just trying to, you know, get my – playing fingerstyle blues and just getting my right hand to work. And that really – a lot of times when I'm getting heavy into even, you know, weird out there jams, like that sort of heavy – you know, I listen to a lot of John Lee Hooker and – and even some of the older, like Robert Johnson sort of stuff. I mean, that all comes back to me though. It's just, it's all mm-hmm. sort of that, that simple feeling, um, because I have to have that, or else I don't feel like I'm making music. You know, if you lose that, that good, um, you know, that twelve-bar blues, you know, that feeling that you get, that sort of indescribable, you know, yeah. uh, you know, the reason why people like blue, the blues. You know, it's just, it's simple, but it's got that that soul to it i try to keep that you know whenever i have to take a solo or whatever when i'm backing you know i'm comping for a soloist i try to just keep that that nice heavy feeling that's that's one of the things i like most about your playing like you've you've taken some solos i've just like seen you play or been playing with you and you've had some solos where you just like i don't know it wasn't it wasn't what you were playing at all but it was just like the soul behind Mm. it and and it's really impressed me, like much more so than your technique or your note choices or anything like that. Like, kind of way beyond all that. Uh, I feel like you've got a great soul, and that's what mm. kind of lets you play. Like, that's kind of what defines you musically, to me, at least. Thanks, man. That means a lot. Um, yeah, I think a lot of my technique is kind of garbage, and I've yeah, got... that's the way I feel. About <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I have like, you know, a lot of stuff. I I I miss a lot of notes, and I'm not. Oh my gosh, we were talking earlier about you know, there's there's some awesome guitarists in this town and you know, you can just listen to a lot of people around here that will just blow you away and 
And I found, yeah, that I can be content just putting yeah. my soul into music and not... Yeah. I mean, I work on my technique. You know, I have things that I like to work on, but, I mean, you know, good God, you know, some of the... Some of these guys, yeah, <laughs> they'll, they'll blow you away. <laughs> That's uh, so one of my favorite bass players, Oteil Burridge. Uh, I saw him play up in New York um, with Victor Wooten and Steve Bailey, and like you know, yeah. a whole like there was a bunch of bass players, like yeah. a bunch of world class bass players on stage, and he gets up there and plays one note, and like you know, it was just like a, mm. Mm. and. And it was like, and the whole room just kind of stopped and focused on that, on what he was doing. And it wasn't that the note was special. I mean, it was just like a, it was like a root, you know, it was like a, yeah, this is like the one. But, uh, but it was the way he did it. It was like the energy mm. he put into it just, you know, blew everybody away. And I, he proceeded to rip, you know, for mm-hmm. a whole solo. But I've always called that my BB King theory. Yeah. That, you know, a lot of guitarists want to talk about BB because, you know, he was such a, uh, you know, trendsetter. He, he started this, you know, he was created a new sound yeah. in his own time. But, you know, people always are trying to knock on, you know, his, his playing like, oh, he's not even all that good. Well, well I'm like, well, the thing about BB is, you know, he, he'd hit that one note and right. A, you know, it's BB playing, you know, yeah. <laughs> it sounds so much like him, but also, um, like you said, it's just the way he would hit that one note yeah. that he infused it with whatever it was he was feeling at that time. And everyone who heard it could feel what he was feeling, you know? Yeah. And that's what the cool part about music is for me, that, you know, if you can find a way to to put a message into a note and send mm-hmm. it out in a way that people can receive it, then, then you're doing it right, you know? Right. And at that point, at that level, technique is kind of an afterthought. I mean... Don't get me wrong. Technique is very important, yeah. but um, just at, at that level, you know, the technique doesn't matter as much. It's like diction. Um, some people, like Juilliard uh, trained actors, will go to school and learn about posture. They'll learn every inconceivable way to present yourself, where there's like their presentation of themselves is absolutely flawless. But it doesn't matter how good they are at saying things if what they say doesn't make sense. Right. You know, and I think that's a lot of it. Context is so important. Um, It's something that I think about a lot as a drummer. Like, how in the world... I... I go back and forth between liking and dis- disliking drum solos for some sometimes because some of them are very kind of organic and they feel special. They feel like they're taking you somewhere. And some of them are just like chop fests that don't really serve any purpose at all. And I unfortunately, when I listen back to myself, I find myself in the second camp and then I have to figure out why. Hmm. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, what you were saying about O'Teal. If you start in a place of simplicity like start with exposition and and lead your listener to where you want them to go then you can make the chops make sense because it comes from this whole like building and then climaxing and then when, when you have them from the first note mm-hmm. it's a lot easier and you can take more because they're la- they're way more forgiving but if mm-hmm. you started out wrong and if you don't present your ideas in a way that makes like creative sense then you're gonna say it's a bad solo or worse forgettable yeah, it's. I mean, it's. I think especially with, with the drums, with a drum solo, it's got to have that groove first, mm-hmm. you know. Because I mean, we know you you can lay down, <laughs> you know, you can hit all your drums at the same time somehow, and and you know your hands <laughs> are moving like lightning, and it's impressive. It's really impressive to see. Um, but especially but the thing that I love about you, John, when when I've heard you recently, especially when I came to Bulls the other night and you were playing with three snare drums, was it? Mm-hmm. I mean. And <laughs> it was awesome. And uh, the thing that impressed me was I noticed even on like pop tunes or on rock tunes where it was sort of a simple groove and then there and then maybe you'd have a fill at the end of each measure or something. Your fills were always different, but they just they felt the same. You know, it felt simple even when you were doing complex stuff. And I think that's really an awesome thing that you can do is that you use your chops, you use your talents, but you don't. But the listener, and I'm a musician, you know, but I think the casual listener uh, is just feeling that groove, you know? And I think yeah. that, that you never lose it, even when when you go out 
Thank you. You don't lose that groove. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Am I am I the nicest guy in Winston now? <laughs> well, let me let me come up with something. I can say something nicer than that. I'll get more coffee. I'm gonna go get some more. Oh um, speaking of um, music, you guys want to uh, jam a little bit more? Let's jam. But when we when we come back though, I want to talk about energy. Okay. So this is this is whole thing is kind of leading to what I, uh, my challenge to you like a couple months ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You remember that? Yeah, okay, I yeah. Do. I do. <clears throat> I don't know if I'm ready for it yet, but with Ryan, maybe we can tackle it. Oh, so because now you have someone else on yeah, your side. Exactly. <laughs> Energy. <laughs> oh wait, am I supposed to back you up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think yeah, yeah. Let's oh jam God. first. Okay. <laughs> Years ago, I wrote a uh, blog post. <laughs> <laughs> We're professionals, right? This is what we are, we are professionals. Hey, you look. <laughs> mm. This is a professional. Do you like that, viewer? I live me, listener. Do you like it when I do that? Ear viewers. <laughs> when I sound like your racist <laughs> uncle at Thanksgiving. <laughs> Ear viewers. Can you pass the, <laughs> can you pass the gravy? <laughs> What's this country coming to? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> it's time for your haircut, Sonny. We're joking around, but I'm a little creeped out now. <laughs> I think I left something in my car. Yeah. <laughs> Go get some more coffee. I'll be right back. You can keep the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Energy, <laughs> energy. So, so I wrote a blog post a few years ago uh, called "Emotive Energy," where I tried to sort of come up with a definition of of what I, what I think of as e- emotive energy. So, the energy that that is conveyed through music, the energy that can be conveyed through music. And so, we were talking about it at at Carmine's, I think, maybe a couple months ago. And you expressed your disbelief in, in in communicative energy. Now that I have some time to reflect, Whoa. <laughs> I I don't disagree with you. I always when I disagree with people, it's always about words. And I know words words don't have meanings like intrinsic meanings. They have usages, and yeah. I disagree with the way that people use certain words. Like right. energy, right? I, what you're talking about is ideas. What you're talking about is a shared experience. P- and people use energy to sort of describe that, like excitement as a form of energy, right? But excitement is an emotion, you know? And so why not just say emotion? See, I would go, I would disagree with that already and say that excitement is not solely an emotion. It is a state of being but that state of being, it contains a lot of energy. So that there is, I'm, I'm defining energy as a physical thing that hasn't yet been defined or talked about by science. I would oh. add that I think energy and excitement are first and foremost words, like you said, they're, they're yeah. words. And words are, are messages. You know, it's a, it's a, a thought or this intangible thing that we've, 
we've encoded using letters in the English alphabet mm-hmm. to make these sounds energy, you know, it, what, what was the other one? Excitement. You know, yeah, those, yeah. those, those words, um, contain a message, you know, in and of themselves. And it's up to the recipient to decide what, how to decode that information, what it means to them. There are certain things that we agree upon, you know, like the dictionary. We go to the dictionary and see it. But I think everyone has their own uh, experience with those words and what they what they mean to you. I agree with 98% of what you said. Um, and and I try not to always I, – I do this. I'm sort of a contrarian at times where I live in exceptions, and I'm trying to get better at it. But um, the dictionary can be wrong because it's not a – a book of meanings is a book of usages and as usages change so the dictionary definition should change um my problem really isn't with with the words themselves um because i can grant okay you may call we may call the same thing by different words but mm. you went on to try to describe a concept apart from the word that you're using and i think it's the concept that i disagree with not the word itself Right, and so I want to kind of get past this whole definitions uh, thing of energy and whatever, and and kind of get to the root of where the disagreement was. Where you think the energy comes from when it when it doesn't exist? This thing that we're trying to define, yet you say lacks a definition. Those two. That's where I'm sort of get a little fuzzy. I think one of the points that I was maybe trying to get at is that just like a word mm-hmm. can have a meaning to the speaker and perhaps a separate meaning to the listener, there are also certain, uh, the the reason I brought up the dictionary is there are certain places where we can agree on it, and maybe the dictionary is a good place to find some common ground. Um, Likewise, I think in a musical realm, let's say at a a concert or at a jam session or something, Mm -hmm. there are these energies, if we can call them that, you know, things that are in the musician that we are trying to ideas ideas that we're trying to relay to the other musicians on stage to ourselves first and foremost and then to the other musicians on the, on the stage and then hopefully also to the audience who will receive it that there are um i think there are tangible things that you know i don't think it's all you know up here in the atmosphere you know there are there are there are tangible things, I think. All right. can, can, you, can you try to describe a little, before we start to kind of get super critical, can, can you go ahead and try to describe what you're talking about? So, so what I'm talking about is a, um, I kind of envision it similar to, uh, similar to electricity um, in that it is, that it is a, a tangible thing. It is an energy. And what I believe um is that this energy is everywhere, that this energy, you know, we don't create it when we play music, that it's just there. And that this energy physically connects everything on the planet, every living thing, so every person, animal. Um, And that this energy is what we use to communicate ideas, that this energy is what we use to communicate emotion through music. And that, so like I I used the O'Teal example when he played that one note, I feel like O'Teal is is very skilled at using this energy to convey his emotions. You know, he's got a you know, he's he's a brilliant person. He's got a beautiful soul and that is <clears throat> this energy is the physical communication, the physical uh expression. Okay. So, I have a a couple of questions. Right. Because and it's <laughs> there, you know, there are certain topics I'm trying to avoid. Yeah. Um, but I, I find that my areas of disagreement with people usually are when they use words and, and not, you know, they, they use words and to try to explain what they're saying. They slightly change the definition of the word to fit their meaning, even though in any other usage of that word, it would not mean what they're saying it means. Physical is the word that I'm I'm sort of hung up on right now because when when you talk about something that's physical or something that's natural, um, that's something that we can see, observe, and measure. Um, that's sort of the definition of the word physical. Now, when you talk about emotional energy, um, 
if we cannot see, observe, and measure it, then it's already something else. What is it then? So what's, I don't, what's I don't know, but that's word? not. Okay. It's also not my. It's also not my <laughs> concept. But I'm telling you that in order to call it physical, we'd have to create like another completely different usage of the word physical. Um, to to for you mm-hmm. to apply that word to what you're saying, that's what I'm saying. I think John's saying. I, I think that y'all aren't disagreeing so much. I think John is saying something, and you're you're hearing it differently. When he says physical, I don't think you're saying that it is actually like atoms and particles right. so much as it is more of a shared, uh, call it a spiritual. Uh, thing or a, an emotional thing um and but then i would also say to you i think that when he says physical i think it, this goes back to understanding words and messages from i mean i think you know what he meant but you're picking it apart because you want the words to to be just right. i want to be clear um i i kind of almost on reflex uh, <laughs> um, I push back against sort of fluffy fl- um, flowery sorts of language and I've done that since I don't want to say day one on Mr. Haircut because this is only like episode we're under 10 at this point <laughs> right. so there's not really much of a track record for me to go on with our listeners but even when we talk about um, sort of this esoteric language that we, we as musicians use because we know what we're talking about and it's the type of language that alienates people that don't know what we're talking about Right. So, you know, and you have, I mean, not just about gear, but just talking about um, communicating with our instruments. You know how, I mean, once you get into that realm, you're already sort of discluding everyone else that doesn't know what you're talking about. That's not a musician from the conversation. And I'm trying to define things in a way that's as clear as humanly possible so that people that aren't necessarily artists or even people that are philosophers can understand what we're trying to say. So at this point, this is a, this is a philosophical conversation because there isn't, there isn't a definition. There's no way that I can talk about this using English that is, that will be clear because there aren't words for it. Like you said, it's not a physical thing that I'm talking about. Um, it's an idea that I have and I can't prove in any measurable way. Well, I feel, um, we were talking last night when when we got to our gig last night. We were just kind of joking around, and we had this sort of very sarcastic, hilarious conversation. And we got into talking about music, and I said, you know, for me, just being with somebody, being around people, um, is I can feel that community. You feel a community, yeah. and is a community a physical thing? Other than the two physical bodies being near each other, you know, what is that? community like that sense of humor that that wakes up in me or my ability to realize that you're getting my sense of humor and mm-hmm. so I should continue <laughs> you know and then I do continue you know that is is not you can't measure that understanding so much with a uh, you know in a physical way I don't think you could really well you know, because because understanding is it's not a thing my understanding is a word that we use to try to describe a process of social interactions. So, so what I'm talking about is the method of that understanding, like the, the, the. I want to say physical again, but the, yeah. So what I'm th- what I'm saying medium. is the idea is it doesn't have a medium, like understanding, like humor, for instance, like yes. science. As far as I understand it, and I could be wrong. But as far as I understand it, science doesn't understand humor. Um, they don't. There is no formula to say this is going to be funny. There is no like certain set of words and certain the equations to get too funny, mm-hmm. right? So that's sort of one of the unanswered questions of of science. How what what makes something funny? That doesn't mean that there is a in in humor energy that we all convey. Um, that is shared in certain situations like comedy clubs or television shows, they're putting out humor energy and then we're picking up and, and receiving that. Um, but I think, again, what you're describing is a process. It's not a thing. Like, 
Because, again, if we keep trying to define it as a thing or keep saying it as a thing, then we're going to keep falling short because there's no way to test it or measure it or whatever. So I'm th- arguing that it is a thing. Though. Yeah. That's my and, and I don't. And, and you also say within your argument that you have no basis to say that it is. Uh, yeah, no it, basis it, other than my experience, yeah. other than the way I and just because, the world. And, and even and even that proves my point because you're telling me that it's an experience and it's through your experience. And I'm telling you that it's experience. I'm telling you that it's interaction, not a physical thing. So not only are you saying out loud that you can't prove it's not, uh, not physical, you're also saying it's based on your experience. I'm saying both of those things. So what are we disagreeing on then? We're not. Except, <laughs> except, except the point where you keep saying it's a thing. And that's the only thing. It's like you are almost where I am except for that one little issue. So, all right, imagine wind which is the movement of of the air that we live in sure um so change in this visualization change what the air is into another medium that i'm going to call emotive energy so you're visualizing now that we are all in a thing that is emotive energy right and that the wind is the movement of this energy and and that this energy is a f- a real connection between people. So say the wind blows from you to me. Mm-hmm. I am that energy, that medium is moving from you to me mm-hmm. and that that is an actual connection between us. So wind like uh <laughs> like understanding isn't a thing. Wind is the process that a thing undergoes to create an effect. That's sort of what energy, that's exactly what energy is. So what you're talking about when you talk about things, you're talking about the actual components of the air. The air moving is the effect. We call that effect wind. So we're not talking about a physical thing. Like a, like a tornado is an emergent process of, of air, of air currents, right. you know? And you, we call that emergent process air. And I'm not talking about... Or, or tornadoes, rather. Right. And I'm not talking about the wind in this thought experiment. I'm talking about the medium. I understand. Yeah. Um, analogies are awesome for allowing us to think abstractly. And I would say that if the thing that you said existed, it could possibly work that way. But just because you can draw an analogy to something that already exists doesn't mean the thing that you are claiming exists exists. Right. Yeah, you're exactly right. I was just trying to define what I'm trying to define. Uh, oh, well, sure. <laughs> and what I'm what I'm hearing here, just from sitting over here, is that, I mean, you know, I don't want to open a can of worms or anything with a with with talk of of spiritual things. Oh, but we could always on, cut dude. it out. Yeah, we can always <laughs> cut bring it on. Well, I but, yeah. but <laughs> on a very surfacey level, it just seems like John is saying he is a proponent of, and you, you're using the word uh, emotive energy, but it seems to me that what what you're saying is that uh, what a lot of people would pick up is saying there's a maybe another realm, another a spiritual connection realm, something that is supernatural within our musical process. And and Jonathan, it sounds to me very much like you're saying there is not one. Uh, now, okay, that's 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 an interesting point because I did actually didn't say that at all. I'm saying that you haven't demonstrated to me that whatever you're saying exists. So I'm actually in the middle ground, having not chosen whether one exists or one doesn't. But the argument itself isn't enough to sway me in that direction at, the, mm-hmm. uh, at this stage. That's where I am. Well, and I, you know, you said that the experience, someone having an experience, isn't yeah. enough to prove that something exists. Exactly. Um, but but I mean, if you're experiencing something, I mean, I think that. If there was nothing, then I don't think there would be the experience. Without well, well, that's something. not true um, because you also have other you have other um, options there because just the, the experience happens doesn't mean that we're correct about the experience. There are things that happen to us all the time that we're wrong about. There are things that we get wrong all the time. So just because something happened to someone or someone feels a certain way about an experience doesn't necessarily make um, even though the experience happened doesn't make their assessment of the experience correct. So this, so, so more, more on my basis for this, for my theory, for my assumptions, is that everybody in the world shares this experience. That this is a this is an experience that 
that we as human beings and as animals all take part in every day. That you're right, and I'm glad that you called that as an assumption because that would be the first thing that I, I jumped on. <laughs> um, we assume that we share we share a universe, that we share a world, right? Um, and we have to sort of assume that we all sort of look at the world uh, the same way generally, or else um, we don't really have any grounds of agreement about anything. Right. And then once we say, OK, we all have this share world, we can make observations. My problem is, is once we get past that assumption, I'm not making the same observation about this emotive energy as you are. I guess that's why the conversation is the way it is at the moment. Yeah. So past all those initial assumptions, how do we get past something that's necessarily experiences necessarily first person? How do we get past that first person to the point where we have something that we can talk about and maybe agree on. So because we, I, I'm sorry, um, I because I agree again. This is so trivial. I agree that we convey emotions and meaning and uh, and concepts to other people. We do it all the time. We're doing it right now. We're, we do it through movies. We do it through music. We do it through arguments. You know, communication is a thing. But I would never say that there is this sort of common pool of energy that we all pull from to do all of that work. Is it just emotion? Is it is it not intellectual as well? I mean, what are the bounds of this um, this thing that is just something that allows us to communicate in general? Um. Uh, so I'm going to jump back a little bit. You said something a second ago. Um, so we can analyze this in other people by analyzing the way societies, the way religions all interact and where they come from. So, um, if you, if you kind of take a step back and look at world religions, they are all about something and they all call it something different, but they're all essentially the same. You know, they all have basically the same message. If you break down every one of them, the message is be good to each other. You know, it's, it's. You, you see it's, this look on my face, right? I, I see it. Yeah, okay. you're intimidating me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you know, the message is love, and love is another thing that science hasn't touched on at all. It's kind of off limits to scientists. It seems like. So love it. I'm so. Let me finish this thought. Sure. So. My argument is that love is an expression of this energy, that this energy is the medium of love. all the time Mr. Haircut has for you today, but we will be back in two weeks with the conclusion of this conversation along with some more new music. As always, we'd love to hear your thoughts, questions, or comments, and you can share them with Mr. Haircut on her website, mrhaircut.org. We accept illustrations and short-form poetry, but please, no run-on sentences or double negatives. We ain't not got no time for none of that mess, because Mr. Haircut is a busy man with lots of shit to do and she don't like to mess with no comments what got no point or nothing. Here is a tune from a regular progressive jazz gig that Jonathan plays in Winston-Salem with Court Winter on bass and Daniel Seraph on guitar. The tune is called uh, Sweater Time.
my hair. <laughs> it's time for your haircut, right? <laughs> oh, they're cutting my hair time in Jonathan's basement. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the creepiest promo ever? Yeah. Time for your haircut. <laughs> oh, I don't want a haircut. <laughs> You look homeless. How much hair do you need? <laughs> All of it. I look like Miyagi now. Not that hair. <laughs> Not the Miyagi cut. Oh, yeah.